Thank you, Natalie. Good morning. As Natalie said, we are concluding this series, The Three Invitations of Christ. We've been asking the question, reminding ourselves of the time when we um, were given an invitation that we knew if we said yes to that invitation, that it would affect our lives dramatically. I was thinking about uh, 2007 when we, uh, when I was serving as a pastor of discipleship and evangelism in Holland, Michigan, and um, and the search committee for this position came and asked if I would put my hat in the ring for the lead pastor position, and I was relatively confident that I was not their person, their individual. Um, it just seemed like uh, ministry was going pretty well there, hadn't really experienced the loosening of God uh, prior to that, and yet, talking to the family, praying about it, felt like he was saying, be open, so we were open, so we entered the process, and we started the interview process, we did some invitations. I remember at one uh, interview, my first one, that I flew out here to Denver, and I had a, my three-ring binder under my arm. It was about a, a book three-quarters of the way done about the kingdom of God. And I said, I, I'm pretty sure that I'm not your guy because I haven't finished what I believe is this, this kingdom and I'm not going to lead the church in a way that I've experienced but the way that I think God is calling us to centralize the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. And also, by the way, the Holy Spirit is the agent of the kingdom, so I'm going to talk a lot about kingdom and a lot about the Holy Spirit. And as a Reformed church, you're probably going to have a lot of people that will walk away. Who knew I was so prophetic in that moment? And so as we continued the journey, and God gave a number of different signs to that, at one point the lead of their consistory said, Eric, we'd like you to come Become our lead pastor and teach us the kingdom of God. And I knew, we knew that if we said yes, that would change our lives dramatically. Not only move across country, but change ministry. And, and we had no idea of the adventure that he would have for us and still has for us as a congregation to live out the kingdom and the agent of the kingdom of God. Jesus gave a lot of commands and a lot of invitations, but we've been focused on these three invitations that if we say yes, it will change our lives. And, and I would argue that when we say yes to a big invitation, whether it's to, uh, to marriage, that we say yes every day to that marriage, yes every day to that calling, Yes, every day to that profound invitation. So we looked at that first invitation where Jesus was speaking directly to those who are weary. There's a weariness of soul from this world. And Jesus says, to all who are weary, a soul weariness, you can come to me. If you, if you learn from me, I'll teach you. If, you. if you allow me to disciple you, if you take your yoke upon me, I'll not only disciple you, but I'll give you rest, deep rest, the, the peace of soul that comes from knowing and walking with me. 
The second invitation, also from Matthew and Luke, where he, he speaks to those who are anxious and worried that our mode of operation is this worried, we're, we're worried about deadlines, we're worried about relationships, we're worried about things in the world, we're worried about politics. He says, hey, if you're willing, if you'd come to me, if you would entrust all of that worry, all that junk and stuff into my hands, if you would say, you know what, I've got a father who knows me and loves me and knows the peripheral of all my life and what I need, if you would give all those things over to the father and you would prioritize, if you'd seek his kingdom and his righteousness above all other things, if you would center in on the kingdom of God, well, then I will give you purpose and peace. I will give you meaning in your life and I'll take care of all of those things and lead you on this kingdom adventure. Last week we looked at the third invitation and he said, remember he was at the Feast of Tabernacles and he said, all those who are thirsty, not physical thirst, but that, that deep and abiding thirst, that spiritual thirst that sometimes we can't identify in those quiet moments in our lives. Sometimes if we're, if we're away from uh, the busyness and, and all of the striving of the world, he says, to those of you recognize this thirst that I built in you as your creator. If you come to me and drink. Well, let's read that. That's from, again, John 7. He's at the Feast of Tabernacles. And in the moment, the, the climactic moment of the end of the feast, of people gathered around, it says, verse 37, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty... Come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water, streams of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Last week we said that this scripture, this, this invitation from Christ Jesus, both points us backwards and points us forward. Right? So it says, as the scripture has said, so it causes us to look back in the Old Testament. We did look at Jeremiah and Isaiah 58 where, where Jesus or the Father identifies himself, as, as we've talked about, as the, the living springs. He is the source of life. Isaiah 58 says this promise that if you come to me that, that there will be this, we have a picture of this, the the rock garden with the waters flowing over. He says, he's giving a picture of the world uh, or, or of your soul where the, the streams of living water are flowing within you. That in this sun-scorched land, 
when the world, no matter what is going on around you, the, the, the streams of living water will fill your soul. It'll touch your heart. It'll touch your mind. It'll touch your will and your appetites and your conscience. A beautiful promise. Remember we talked about of the presence of God will be in your life. You will be. If you drink every day of the of the Lord, the living streams, then you will become this person of presence. Regardless of circumstance, regardless of challenge, regardless of struggle, regardless of what's going on or in the world, he's saying, you can drink of my love, of my goodness. That's in part what we just did. We didn't have you drink the oil but it was to say, yes, I believe that your presence, that this invitation is real and available to us today. But we also said that this scripture points us forward. It points us forward in the sense that it's in anticipation of an event that would happen in the church that was not just for the church 2,000 years ago, but are for you and me today. This event of Pentecost where people say the church began and, and it was um, filled with the, the uh, Holy Spirit and again the mission began from that moment. Now I left you with this question. All right, and admittedly, this is a challenging question. It was not an easy question, all right? The question is, we looked at the end of John, John 20. We have that scripture in your bulletin, and this is when Jesus was, um, he was crucified, resurrected. He's doing appearances to his disciples, to his apostles. This is before he ascends into heaven, before Pentecost, he appears as the resurrected Christ to his apostles, his disciples, at John 20. And it says, again, Jesus said, resurrected Jesus, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do any of you remember the question I asked you? If he gave the apostles the Holy Spirit in that moment, why do we need Pentecost and Acts 2? Now, if some of you would have Googled that question and looked at commentaries, there is a common commentary response. And that commentary response is, we're not really sure. Maybe it was uh, foreshadowing and, and symbolism. That's a very dissatisfying answer, isn't it? it? It doesn't seem like Jesus was doing this symbolic, I mean, there's times of symbolism, absolutely, but this was an experience, this was a, an event. Like, why, how in the world would you see that simply as foreshadowing? Like, this was experience. So the question remains, is there another answer? 
And I'm going to say that you might disagree with my answer, but I think it's the best one out there. Is that okay to say? Like, I'm, I'm wrestling with... So, again, remember we talked about last week, the pneumatology, the, the study of the Spirit, he's the least taught person of the Trinity in the churches. And I think that there's, a, there's this foundational framework of understanding the work and person of the Holy Spirit. That if we get the framework, which I believe is communicated through Scripture, it would help us answer that question. That's why I put this question before you, okay? So let's talk a little bit about, there's, I would argue that there's two primary ways that the Holy Spirit works in our lives, all right? We, we need to get this if we're going to really understand this third invitation of Christ to come and drink of the Spirit. There's two primary ways. Think of it like this. Jesus was replacing himself with the Spirit. Do you agree with that statement? He knew he was going away, and the apostles, the disciples, would no longer have the incarnated Christ among them. He's replacing them himself with the Spirit. And he's replacing him primarily in two ways. The first is this, the presence to, to live with. This is what we talked about a lot last week. The presence of Christ. Imagine being with Jesus, living with Jesus. He shared his life with the disciples for three years daily, that they got to be with him. And I, I mean, like, they got to eat with him. Can you imagine sitting around a table and having Jesus speak? Can you imagine watching Jesus when, when someone who is hurting came to him and, and, and to feel Jesus' compassion and love for the individual? Can you imagine Jesus trying to get a little bit of personal time with the Father and the, and the crowd finds him and they're like, sorry. And then they're like, Jesus, they don't have any food out in this remote place. And he's like, okay, let's take care of that. Like, like the... His presence among them. When he calms the, the sea and they're like, who is this guy? Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit in interesting ways. And John 14 is a long section. And listen to the primary way he speaks of the Holy Spirit. He says, this is in your bulletin, John 14, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit and will lead leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. He's saying, I know, I'm going away. Earlier in John 14, I'm, I'm going away and they're like, we want to go with you. Jesus is like, no, no, no. No, it's going to be so cool. My spirit, the spirit of Christ is going to be present, not even just among you, but with you. 
And remember that you, what we talked about last week is that you get to, to drink of my presence. Just like you, when you have a, a spouse or a best friend or someone that you spend more time in their presence and you get to know them and you get to be with them. Remember we talked about this last week for those of you who are here, that we get to drink, that the Spirit is given without limit. Paul says we're, we're given one Spirit to, to drink. So think of that in terms of presence. I've got a little analogy for you. So this is this is a picture of you. And it does have water. Can you see the water in there? Now, if I emptied out this water, this would be a picture of you without salvation. We're told That in John 3, you must be born again. The Spirit gives birth to your spirit. That's what it means to become a Christian, is the Spirit enters in you. Say, Jesus, yes, I'll receive you, and the Spirit is filled. And so this is a picture of you as a Christian. You have the Spirit. You have the presence of the Spirit in you. But according to Scripture, we get to drink of His presence. When we want, as we did this morning, more of his love, more of his kindness, more of his goodness and mercy, more of his truth, that's how his presence works. Yes? When the apostles were with the resurrected Jesus the end of the Gospel of John, he breathes on them. He says, receive. So even though he was being taken away, he's giving his presence. So why do we need Acts 2? Let's just live from John 20. That's good, right? Now, think about Jesus being with the disciples and there's this crucial moment about midway through. They're they're sharing life with Jesus. They're experiencing Jesus. And then, right in the middle, if you've got your Bibles, turn to, to Luke chapter 9. Now remember, they've been living with Jesus, sharing with Jesus it says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, they've been with them, let's say, a year and a half, sharing life. We don't know, maybe a year. But in Luke chapter 9, verse 20, he says, it says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases and to send them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. You see, he was saying, this is part of discipleship, is that I'm with you, and you learn me. You you learn life. You're you're discipling. you're, You're walking with me. But I have stuff for you to do. 
My Father is at work. He has an agenda. He's moving the kingdom of God. He's advancing the kingdom of God in this world. And I don't want you to be on the sidelines. I want you to be engaged in ministry. But here's another thing. I don't want you to do it in your own power. Because you're not going to get very far. Think back to the invitation. Can we put that up one more time, Kate? John, go, go back to uh, John chapter 7. Remember the promise here. He says, it says, rivers of living water will flow from within you. Yes, the promise The invitation is for you to be filled with the presence of Christ. But, there's another John. There's more. And it says, this is an incredible, a beautiful picture. Sign me up of Christ filling my soul and saturating my soul. Amen. And there's more? Really? I really want to pour this overflowing from, but I'm not going, I'm just going to get as close as I can. Now just in your mind's eye. Oh. Imagine that. He's saying this living water is going to flow from you. That that the power, my power, is going to equip you to advance the kingdom of God. Don't you, as awesome as my presence is, hallelujah, don't forget there's more. Let me see how much you've been paying attention. I'm going to ask this question. Why do we need Acts 2 if we have John 20? (laughs) Why, Kathy? Because there's more. There's the empower. Okay, so let's talk about, let's understand what, what Acts 2 is about. Did you know that Jesus himself, we have it right from the mouth of Jesus, the purpose and the intention of Pentecost of Acts 2. Look at that with me. This is, uh, this is looking in your bulletin. He tells us, oh, I lost my place here. Got so excited, all right. I can't find it now. Where is that? In the bulletin. What's the next scripture in the bulletin? Oh, Acts 8. Okay. So, all right. So, he says, now think about this for a moment. Okay. Jesus, he was born of the Spirit, was he not? Right? We're told that the Holy Spirit hovered over Mary and there's this mysterious of the incarnation. So, there's never a time when Jesus was without the Holy Spirit, right? Then why, when Jesus was baptized, did the Holy Spirit need to descend on him? Why? 
Declaration was important, yes. What else? <laughs> What's that, Keith? More. Empowerment. Did he do any miracles before the Holy Spirit descended on him? He did not. The Spirit descends on him and empowers him for ministry. All right? The apostles, they were Christians. You can't be Christian. Were they Christians at, at Acts 2 and Pentecost? Were they Christians? Yes, they were. They had the Spirit. And yet, what they need in Pentecost? More. Empowerment. Right? Think about it. Um, think about it this way. Now, uh, Acts 8 the apostles, Philip actually, he's ministering in powerful ways um, the, the kingdom of God and the Samaritans are like, this is incredible. And they give their lives to Christ and they're baptized with water. And the, uh, there was a magician there, Simon, who was like, this is so cool, this is incredible. Uh, irony is he, Simon was a magician and he was known as the great power. That's how the Samaritans knew him. And so the apostles in Jerusalem hear about the work that Philip is doing in Samaria. So they send Peter and John and they go there and they're, I'm paraphrasing here, they're like, awesome work, but where's the power? The Holy Spirit. And they're like, what are you talking about? And this is my paraphrase. Did you know there's more? There's more. There's this work of the presence of the Spirit. And yet, that, that power that Philip is, is performing, that's for you. That's for you. Because yes, I want to be with you. I want this intimate relationship with you. But I also have stuff for you to do. They lay hands on the Samaritans and they're filled with the power of the Spirit. And then that's Acts 8. Listen to what the, it says. When Simon, the magician, remember the, the person of power? When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter and John say, That's a no-go. That's a using of this power for your own means. That's not using of the power for the kingdom of God and kingdom purposes. And friends, I just, I just want to say this, is that power, even spiritual power, can be a very dangerous thing. Relational power, political power, whatever kind of power, it can be a dangerous thing. What's that, that truth? Absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? So when you're playing with power, you're playing with fire. Interesting, Acts 2, the symbol of flame. And so friends, Unfortunately, the history of Pentecostalism and even charismatic work is, is littered with people who have not 
really cared for and tended the power of the Spirit, the fire in the fireplace, well. I know it. I feel it. People who have walked away said, have said, Eric, the, the word charismatic is a, is a scary thing. Eric, we've been hurt by the charismatic movement. Eric, this isn't the direction we want to go. I, I get it and I understand. I've been hurt when people have claimed the power of the Holy Spirit. The question is, what do we do with that? Do we say yes to the presence part of the invitation, but no to the power part of the invitation? What do you think? I'm thirsty. I am thirsty. I want to advance the kingdom of God. I don't want to to prop myself up as Mr. Power. I don't want to be Simon, right? But I'm thirsty to see God's goodness and grace and love and salvation and hope to, to transform the lives of the people around me, to, to transform this community and the world, and I certainly know I can't do it on my own power. So I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes every day. Ryan, are you saying yes? Yes! yes! <laughs> the key, you had a question, did you? Good. That's, that's good, all right? What's the key? So framework and understanding, that's a great segue, Ryan, to let's look at Pentecost. Let's read, turn with me to Acts 2. All right, we're gonna read Pentecost. Let me read this first. This is Jesus speaking in Acts 1, just for a little confirmation. We want to understand Pentecost. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus says Pentecost is about. Question, was Pentecost about the presence of Christ with them? Kate, no, no, we just read it. What did Jesus tell us Pentecost is about? The power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus was present with the apostles. I'm gonna go over this one more time. And he empowers the apostles. Yes, we saw that, Luke 9. Jesus is going away. He grants them his presence, And now Acts 2 is his power, right? All right. Let's read this. When the day of Pentecost came, this is verse 1, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. I want you to think about that word, filled. Right there is a little analogy 
of Pentecost, Acts 2, just like the wind fills a building. So, let's keep reading. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other, most likely languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Empowerment, like presence, is something that has a flow to it. Remember, we talked about drink of the Spirit. The Spirit is given without limit. This is an invitation that we say yes again and again Two, that we're filled. Now think about this, that word. So again, verse four, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. All right. You you know, just listen to me for a moment. You don't have to, you can maybe write it down if you want. Acts 4, 8. Peter was there at Acts 2. And it says Peter is dialoguing with religious leaders. They're challenging him. And it says Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. If he was filled in Acts 2, why does he need to be filled in Acts 4? More. (laughs) Good. Yes. All right. Uh, Acts 31. They they face persecution. The, 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 The church is praying. They're led by Peter. Peter is there. And it says the church was filled with the Holy Spirit. Again in Acts 4. There's a another filling of Peter. Acts 9. We're told the the story of Paul, the Apostle Paul. He's Saul. He becomes Paul. And it says he gives his life to Christ. Ananias lays hands on him. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 9. Acts 13 rolls around. There's a group of disciples. And it says they were filled with joy and filled with the Spirit. If Paul is filled in Acts 9, why does he need to be filled in Acts 13? More. <laughs> Ephesians 5.18, Paul simply says this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be... And again, this is an analogy from Paul. You don't get drunk and you're one and done, do you? You have to keep drinking, right? Paul says, don't do that. Don't keep drinking alcohol to get drunk. Keep drinking of my power. Be filled, filled. One of the keys, Ryan, is that we understand the empowerment of Christ, and I would argue the presence as well, is not this one and done where, hey, I've got the Spirit and I'm open to whatever He wants to do. But hear this afresh. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Yeah, but I know you, Kate. You've already been filled with the Spirit. You can't, that's too much. You want more. 
And, and the Lord says he gives the spirit without limit. He's saying I'm a spring of living water that flows like a well and you return to me again and again. You just need to be thirsty for that. Paul says this. He, he uses, we read this with, with Pastor Jedediah in the beginning of the service He talks about live by the Spirit. He uses that phrase, live by the Spirit. Another place, Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. He's saying that your life is rooted in the Spirit of Christ Jesus. Remember, the Spirit is the replacement of Jesus. He's saying this is a shared life with you. You live by my Spirit. You keep in step. You walk. You learn my yoke. You learn the kingdom advancement by being with my spirit. Live in the spirit. A friend of mine uh, got a diagnosis this past week. It's a little scary uh, diagnosis whenever they use stage four and cancer and So I called my friend. And my my friend is a person of prayer. And he said, you know, I was listening. The Lord said, he's going to see me through this. Yes. And I said, we talked a, a little bit. And even though it was over the phone, My desire was to be the presence and power of Jesus to my friend. And so we started to pray together. And I was filled with compassion for my friend. Could feel the heart of the Father for my friend with this diagnosis. And then as we were praying, it just felt like he he gave me the psalm, Psalm 61. And so I, I read this psalm, and that psalm says, talks about, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Right? And I prayed in the power of the Spirit as I ministered to my friend. And I prayed all the way through the psalm. This isn't a Simon testimony. This isn't because I want you to think more of me. This is a spirit testimony. That when we pray for our brothers and sisters, he wants us to be the presence, and the power of the living God. There's nothing fantastical or there's nothing, but I just knew it was, I'm not that good of a prayer without the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm pretty darn terrible and shallow 
and yet his power was there. And I think in some ways when we use terms like charismatic and gifts of the Spirit, we compartmentalize the power of the Spirit for these like fantastical moments. If God brings those big moments, great. We'll, we'll, we'll keep the fire in the fireplace, right? We'll, 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 we'll be biblical and, and we'll be thoughtful and we'll talk about it. But really what Pentecost is about is equipping you and me in whatever circumstance. Maybe it's an evangelism. Maybe we're having coffee with a friend and they, they share some pain or wound from the church or a Christian leader and you're like, holy cow, Lord, I don't know what to say to my friend. One of the keys is, Holy Spirit, would you empower me for this moment? Would you fill me for this moment? That there might be words beyond that you might use me to maybe just be a link in the chain for my friend to get closer to you. In those moments like preaching, I think I'm pretty confident in saying I'm an ineffective preacher if I haven't invited the anointing of the Holy Spirit to lead me. All the anointers sat down. I was like, hey, uh-uh, I'm not going up there without being anointed. Right? Scott, you shouldn't have sat down. I was going to go to you. So Nadley came and anointed, right? It's that inviting the presence and power. Again, let me give it one more shot at the everydayness of this. That when I pray in the morning, when I'm thinking about my day, I pray, Father, I don't want to live this day without you. In fact, it's really lonely without him. It's really lonely. So would you fill me with your presence today? And Lord, I've got this meeting with these folks. Would you empower me to do ministry? In fact, I'm going to give a, a call to someone and, and I might ask to pray for them. Would you empower me? See that every day of that? If we return to the invitation, we say yes to that invitation every day. These three invitations are meant to be every day. I, I'm, I'm convinced of it. I, I believe it, right? The, he says, like, is there a day, you know, Jesus, I'm going to just take your yoke off today because... Right? No. You know what? I'm not going to learn from you. You said come and I'll teach you. I'm not going to learn from you today, Jesus. I'm going to just take. No, no, no. He wants every day for us to take that yoke on us. You know, Jesus, today I've got some big stuff coming up, so I am going to worry and be anxious today. <laughs> 
I'm not going to entrust you with those details. I'm just going to, just today, I'm going to live in anxiousness instead of seek your kingdom. Is that what he's meant? No, no. Today, my, my good friend who's a pastor in Illinois, when he talks about the Holy Spirit, he always says, you know, I realize I leak. Never fully of the presence of the Holy Spirit, right? That you lose your, no, you lose your salvation. We can argue whether that's even possible or not. But the Holy Spirit's there. But he's saying, over the night, I just leak. I, I wake up and I'm Dave. And I want to be empowered with your spirit. I want to live in your presence and your goodness and be empowered. Can you imagine your life if you said yes to all three of those invitations every day? I say yes to your yoke, Jesus. Would you disciple me? Would you help me to learn your, your rhythms of grace as we talked about? I say yes today to prioritize and seeking your kingdom, your agenda within me and around me. And I say yes to your presence and power, Holy Spirit. I will drink of your spirit today. Can you imagine how your life would be different? Can you imagine how this church and community of faith would be different? And to think that Jesus is, he's not stingy. Go back to the first invitation where he says, I'm humble and gentle in heart. This is good. I give my spirit without measure. I'm not stingy. I have plans and purposes in my kingdom. These, this eternal work that's happening around the world, I've appointed you to, to play a part, not sit on the sidelines. Can you imagine if we said yes? I thought we would say yes in prayer. Can we do that? I'm going to invite Jedediah and the worship team forward. just want to if you just close your eyes and those at home or, or watching later. Lord, we want to thank you for your manifest presence in our midst. Thank you for the richness of your presence. So Lord, we want to come before you. It's not about this public display just just between you and the Lord, just individually. Jesus, you've offered your yoke. You've offered to that you would be our discipler, our teacher, 
that you would walk right next to us and share the burden and, and pull it, Jesus. You, you offer that. If you want to say yes to that, just, just between you and him, not out loud, just in prayer, would you just pray a yes to him and just fill that out? Jesus, you have offered, delighted in the Father giving us the kingdom of God. That we can trust you with all our needs, our, all our worries, all our anxieties. Whether we're Wrestling with a diagnosis, my friend. Whether we're confused, struggling, we, we can give that to you and entrust that into the Father's hands. Father, we, we know that you take it and that we get to prioritize the eternal things of this world, meaning and purpose. So we... We want to say yes to seeking first the kingdom and your righteousness. And just between you and the Lord, do you say yes to him and fill that out? And Jesus, you also told us that those who are thirsty, we could, we could drink of your presence and power every day. Lord, we say that we're thirsty, Lord. We're parched, Lord. Your church is parched in so many ways. Our, our lives are parched. We're not experiencing intimacy with you. We're not experiencing power with you, Lord. So, Lord, we want to say yes to the drinking of your spirit. So just between you and the Lord, would you take some time to say yes and drink of the spirit. Thank mm -hmm. you.